the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is every bit of that morning. I don't want to be hearing that right now. I don't know exactly where that audio came from, but welcome to the authority to seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we are underway. Really appreciate you being with us on this Wednesday edition. Coming up on the program, we got a couple of very good guests. Do you know Chad Prather? If you don't know Chad Prather, you should know Chad Prather. Chad Prather is an unapologetic Christian country musician, commentator, now podcast host, uh, and so much more. And now, I guess you add best-selling author to uh, to the list as well. Chad Prather is going to be joining us coming up at 1035 this morning. Very much looking forward to talking to him about his book, uh, which I think kind of maybe asks the same question many of us are asking ourselves. It's its title. Am I crazy? Subtitle, an unapologetic patriot takes on the insanity of today's woke world. I think we all can relate to that just a little bit, can we not? Uh, so Chad Prather's book, Am I Crazy? We're going to talk to him about everything that's going on in this country and whether or not we're going crazy or if the world is around us and we've got to find a way to stop it. So that's 1035. Then at 935, or rather, coming up in, uh, at 935 first, will be R.J. Hallman of FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. If you did not think that our sovereignty had been surrendered fully simply by the refusal of the Biden administration to, A, finish the border wall, there are $120 million worth of border panels, wall sections right now, stacked up down along the border in Texas, Arizona, there's $120 million worth of panels just waiting to be erected by contractors who are being paid to not erect them. That's 
$5 million a day we are losing uh, in uh, having to pay those contractors to not build the wall that we had, under President Trump, uh, signed a contract to pay them to build the wall. So that, that's part A. If you didn't think that the sovereignty had been surrendered by that, and then B, by the fact that there are now another sixty to 80,000 would-be migrants into the United States gathering, in Panama, that's where they've reached thus far. There's a thousand more being added every single day. And they are about to make the trek northward, not on foot, but on buses. They're coming north. They're going to get into Mexico. They're going to come through Mexico. And then just like we had 16, 17,000 illegal migrants under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas, about three weeks ago, you're about to have another 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 of them. Doing the same thing. Why? Because Joe Biden has indicated already, you are welcome. They are going to be here, and they are going to invade the United States, period. That's it. If you thought that our sovereignty had been surrendered by those two facts alone, well, then you haven't heard the latest. From the uh, the, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, the latest, we're going to make sure that when these people get here, they have great jobs and that they have great wages, and that they have great working conditions. We're going to not penalize them for, you know, the fact that they're not supposed to be here, that they're here illegally. We're not going to make them work in the shadows and work for depressed wages as they undercut American workers in terms of what they'll work for. We'll make sure they are making premium wages in premium conditions with benefits as we continue to try to change the demography of this country. Make no mistake about it. That's the goal. There's no other explanation, quite frankly, no other explanation for allowing and encouraging the invasion of the United States except for we are going to allow you to stay and we're eventually going to make you citizens and give you the right to the right to vote. And guess what? We know exactly how you'll vote because we, the demon rats, are the ones who gave you the opportunity. And Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is now going to give U.S. employers permission to hire. This has always been illegal. ICE has done stings on operations, businesses that have been hiring illegals without papers, without green cards, without uh, residency status, without uh, certainly citizenship status. They have been cracking down on businesses like that for a very long time, fining heavily the businesses, and deporting the illegal aliens that are found working and taking American jobs. Now the DHS is giving U.S. employers permission and, in fact, telling them they better have good working conditions for these illegal aliens because we got to take good care of them. It's remarkable. R.J. Hallman Affair, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, will join us at uh, 935 to talk about that. All right, before we get into the other top stories of the day, let's uh, start our day with our Pledge of Allegiance, as we always do. Uh, Please, patriots, go ahead and stand. Face your flag if you have one. If you don't have one, that's all right. Just put your hand over your heart and join us in reciting the pledge. Liberals, leftists, illegal immigration supporters, go ahead and take your knee. We know you don't believe in freedom anyway. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, I'm going to start today as I have 
many days, if not most days, I'm going to talk about the unconstitutional erosion of our American freedoms, particularly the First Amendment, particularly the last part of the five protections afforded us in the First Amendment. You know that we are afforded the freedom of religion, to practice our religion without government interference. We are afforded the freedom of speech. We are afforded the freedom of the press. We are afforded the freedom to assemble peaceably, and we are afforded the freedom to petition the government to redress uh, for the redress of our grievances. And it's that last one that is under attack now by Joe Biden. It's that last one that's under attack now by Merrick Garland. We're not allowed to petition the government for a redress of our grievances. If we do, we may end up being put on a list. What kind of a list? A list that's going to be given to the FBI. Because Merrick Garland says um, you cannot intimidate or harass or threaten violence against school board members or administrators. Now, of course, none of us would ever support using violence or the threat of violence, but you don't have to threaten violence to be accused of threatening violence. All you have to do is be accused. All it takes is thin-skinned board members who don't want to hear that you don't want your kid to have to wear a mask in class. They don't want to hear that you don't want your kid being taught to hate other kids and to hate his country and to hate his own race by the promotion of critical race theory. They don't want to hear that you don't want boys going into girls' bathrooms and potentially molesting them under the new trans rules that are being put into schools. They don't want to hear those things, and if you do express those things, particularly if you raise your voice while doing so, they're going to claim intimidation. They're going to claim harassment. And according to the the Attorney General, that means they're going to be able to report you to the FBI. Now, let's not gloss over the fact that there seems to be no logical, no reasonable way that that's possible, because... Threats, even if they are non-threats, but accusations of threats and accusations of intimidation or harassment, any of those, those kinds of things, would be the responsibility of local law enforcement to deal with. Quite obviously, most of us know this. Unless you're making those threats while crossing a state line, it's not a federal crime. So therefore, the feds, the FBI, would have no jurisdiction whatsoever here. But... That's not what the Biden administration and the Garland administration administration wants you to believe, or the Garland uh, Department of Justice, I guess I should say. Uh, that's not what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that they can come and get you if you go to the school board meetings and complain about all of these things that are being done to your kids. And they did this at the behest of an organization called the NSBA, the National School Boards Association. Now, the National School Boards Association wrote a letter to Joe Biden a couple of weeks ago, and I apologize if this is old territory, old ground for you that we're kind of trodden down again, but uh, this is important for those who don't know. The School Board Association wrote a letter to Joe Biden a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, you got to get these parents off our backs. you got to get these parents who are harassing, intimidating, and threatening violence off our backs. Do something. We want you to turn uh, uh, turn the FBI loose on them. Joe Biden went to Merrick Garland and said, yeah, I agree. Hey, Joe, Attorney General, or excuse me, hey, uh, Merrick, Attorney General uh, General Garland, go ahead and do what the School Board Association wants you to do. Sick the FBI FBI on them. One day later, Merrick Garland has an order written. The FBI will be working in consultation with local authorities to make sure that parents who intimidate, harass, or threaten school board members are held accountable and investigations can be conducted. So I bring you all of that as a reminder. There's the backdrop 
of how this whole thing began, which was the National School Board Association letter. The update on this story that is so incredibly important is what was in that letter. We are now getting full reports of what prompted the NSBA to write that letter requesting that the FBI crack down on parents who don't like what the schools are teaching and how they're being run. The NSBA included in that letter an example of a parent going off the rails at a Loudoun County Public Schools meeting, school board meeting in Virginia. And that he, that he, having been dragged out of the school board meeting for his loud and demonstrative complaints, and they were exactly that, he having been dragged out as an example of a parent that they're frightened of. This guy is a domestic terrorist. This guy is like a bunch of other parents who are loud and unruly. They're domestic terrorists. You've got to prosecute them and investigate them under the Patriot Act. Get the FBI involved. And admittedly, a first glance at the video that went viral of that parent being literally arrested and dragged out of the Loudoun County Public Schools board meeting in Virginia, it does look like this guy's a little bit out of control. But the update to the story is who he was and why he was, quote, out of control. His daughter had been sexually assaulted in the girls' bathroom in one of the Loudoun County public schools by a boy wearing a skirt and taking advantage of the school's rules that allow boys or girls, depending on how they identify, to use whatever facilities they wish. His story is a stunner, and I will share it with you right after this as we continue on The Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay. It is 9.23, and I want to share the rest of this extraordinarily important story for you. This is a bit of a game-changer on the National School Board Association letter to Biden that led to the Attorney General announcing that parents who are too loud and unruly in the view of the school board members uh, at school board meetings can can be treated like domestic terrorists. This was one of the important examples cited by the School Board Association, this man in Loudoun County Public Schools, Virginia. On June 22nd, Scott Smith, who is a plumber, was filmed as the police arrested him and dragged him out of the Loudoun County Public School Board meeting. It was his arrest that the National School Board Association cited when they sought federal help from Merrick Garland uh, uh, to treat these parents as potential domestic terrorists. But that's not where the actual domestic terrorism occurred. The real terrorism occurred three weeks before at the Stonebridge High School, where on May 28th, a boy wearing a skirt, but saying he identified as a female, entered the female bathroom and subjected Scott Smith's ninth grade daughter to a violent sexual assault. 
Now, the school called Smith, but when he arrived, they told him they were going to handle the matter in-house. Eventually, the school had to call the sheriff's office, but it wasn't to arrest the alleged perpetrator who admitted to the act later. But they called the sheriff's office because Scott Smith was still there making a scene. He wasn't violent, but he launched obscenities at the principal for allowing this to happen. Still, the sheriff's deputies took Smith's daughter to a hospital where a rape kit was performed and proved that she had, in fact, been sexually assaulted. So these facts are now all in evidence here. The principal then sent a message to the school community saying that while the deputies had shown up to the school, everyone at the school was fine. He made no mention of the fact that everyone was not fine. A sexual assault had occurred on their campus. Now fast forward to that school board meeting on June 22. Immediately before Smith's arrest, the superintendent lectured the public that concerns about the proposed transgender policy on the agenda were misplaced because the school system had no record of any assault occurring in any school bathroom. That was followed by Jackie Schwarm, a leftist activist, telling Scott Smith, the dad, she thought his daughter was lying, and she threatened to destroy his business. Smith responded angrily, which is when he found himself handcuffed and dragged across the floor. The local prosecutor, a Soros-style activist, somebody who opposed mass incarceration, did her best to get the dad, Scott Smith, locked up. Now, at this point, she knew what had happened to Smith's daughter because the suspect in the sexual assault was charged and was sitting under house arrest. And although Scott Smith doesn't know what happened to the boy because his records are sealed as a juvenile, he does know that in October, the boy sexually assaulted another girl at a different school after being transferred. So Scott Smith goes to a school board meeting, hears the school board covering up the sexual assault of his freshman daughter, claiming that the transgender policy is just fine, you homophobes, you transphobes. There's nothing bad going on in our bathrooms. Literally ignoring and covering up the sexual assault of his daughter that they knew about because, again, he had confessed to it and was under house arrest for a period of time, he reacts angrily as somebody accuses his daughter of making it up, and he's the one arrested. And he's the one who is called by the National School Board Association a domestic terrorist. Now, most people in the country who have been reacting angrily to this order by Merrick Garland to have the FBI intervene if there are parents who are inflammatory or who are intimidating or who are um, harassing or threatening violence. This is the case that led to the letter, a case of a man, a father, trying to protect and defend not only his daughter who was attacked, but to stop this policy that allows boys to go into girls' restrooms and locker rooms and showers and sexually assault them. And all they've got to do is say, I identify as the female, and away we go. He's trying to protect other people's daughters as well as his own, and nobody cared. And oh, by the way, just as a capper, according to the reporting from the Daily Wire, During his very physical arrest by the police officers at that school board meeting as he defended his daughter, 
and yelled at the school board and the superintendent who were covering up her rape. During his arrest, he cried out, I can't breathe. Nobody cared. Nobody argued to ease up on him. Apparently that phrase is only important when it's uttered by different people. But that, now you know the rest of the story. Now you know the real story. The reason why the FBI is coming after you, the reason why Merrick Garland is coming after you, the reason why you are not going to be allowed to protest at your school board meetings to stop critical race theory or this, uh, this gender-bending uh, sexual um, education stuff that they're doing, or the indoctrination of kids with the 1619 Project, or the forced masking or forced vaccination of your kids. You can't argue those anymore without the FBI coming for you. And it's all because a plumber in Virginia tried to defend his daughter after she was sexually assaulted, very violently. This is America 2021 under the Biden rules. And I hope you never forget it. It's 930. We're going to come back and talk more about the Biden rules, the Biden rules that say we have no border. And we're going to talk to R.J. Hallman from the Federation for American Immigration Reform next, AM 1420, The Answer. A wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 935, let's talk more about the uh, United States of America under the Biden rules. One of the most important Biden rules we just covered. Uh, Let's talk about uh, this one. There is no southern border. And as a matter of fact, I don't know why we don't just declare the the, uh, northern border open as well. We are no longer a nation, uh, a sovereign nation. Uh, We have surrendered that. Uh, When the presidential administration literally invites people to come to the United States southern border and enter illegally, knowing they will be dispersed into the general American population in cities all around the country with no guarantee whatsoever that they will return for hearings to determine whether or not they can stay. You have surrendered sovereignty. That's one thing, and that has already been happening. Crossings, illegal crossings, have increased to a new record number each and every month since April of this year. John, uh, uh, Jim Jordan has uh, made that very, very clear time and time again. But now we're crossing into a new territory. Now we're also changing American law, law that says illegal aliens are not allowed to work for American employers. American employers used to be fined for hiring illegal aliens and paying them less perhaps putting them into substandard working conditions because who are they to complain they're here illegal anyway now the direct or the uh, secretary rather of homeland security in this country is changing all of that and joining us to discuss is RJ Hammond from the Federation for American Immigration Reform RJ good to have you back how are you sir yeah thanks for having me on Bob. All right, let's uh, let's try to make some sense out of this. What specifically did the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security do? Well, just add it to the list. It's another policy change by the Biden administration that will actually incentivize more illegal immigration that seeks to gut immigration enforcement. Just several weeks ago, ICE actually, uh, Secretary Mayorkas, issued a new memo basically protecting every single illegal alien from deportation. Now he's pivoted to worksite enforcement. So what Mayorkas did is he issued a new memo, which effectively ends the ability of ICE to be able to go to worksite 
and arrest illegal aliens for working here illegally and targeting their employer as well. Now, per this guidance, ICE will only focus on employers who exploit, so poor working conditions, et cetera, not employ. So the specific guidance really fails to acknowledge that employment itself is exploitation and harms American workers. Even though when he's issuing it, he says it up front. He says illegal aliens working create an unfair labor market. They unfairly drive down costs and disadvantage business competitors who abide by the law. But what they're doing here, again, they're saying that you can employ illegal workers if you meet this vague criteria. And if you're here illegally and working, you'll never be deported. So how does that discourage illegal entry and employment or protect American workers? You're sending a message to people all around the world, all these would-be illegal aliens. If you come here, not only do you get to work, you get better wages, better working conditions, and you'll never be deported. You know, you mentioned tying ICE's hands like this, RJ. Um, we, we've discussed this before. I think I saw a statistic last week that said the department, uh, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, is making one arrest every month and a half or something like that. I, I don't have it memorized, but it was a, it was something in that vein, uh, to the point where... You know, the left, the far left in this country, including the administration, wanted to defund police, and that includes federal law enforcement as well, like ICE. Well, they couldn't do that, so rather than defunding them, they basically are just telling them they're changing the rules, they're changing what they can and cannot do, so they're, you know, it's a de facto defunding. They still exist, but they're not allowed to go and do their jobs. This is a furtherance of that. Absolutely, precisely. I mean, we've always said there's always been a, a faction in the Democratic Party, I think, the majority of Democrats you know, up here in Washington and the radical open borders activists that they constantly try to deliver for who have called to fully abolish ICE. Now, the Biden administration cannot abolish ICE. The the, the enforcement agency was set up by Congress. They can't simply get rid of it. So what they're clearly doing here is they're abolishing it from within. They're tying the hands of well-intended law enforcement who are actually enforcing laws passed by Congress. They're almost codifying amnesty of sorts. You know, there's obviously still a huge effort here on Capitol Hill to do the largest amnesty in American history for about over 7 million illegal aliens as part of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's radical Build Back Better plan. Okay, it's looking less likely that amnesty can be included because it's not a budgetary concern. It's a radical policy change. So you know what Mayorkas and, and, the, and the radical uh, open borders uh, zealots in the White House are trying to do is they're just say, hey, well, you know what? We're just not going to deport anybody. So we're technically giving you amnesty. It's just not on the books. I mean, this is never-ending. The crisis will not end. When the Biden administration finally rescinds Title 42, the thing that allows them to expel people based on COVID, when these messages finally get out, when the smugglers and the traffickers are able to say, hey, you can work here. They're not going to go after the employers. They only go after them if they have bad working conditions and pay low wages. It's going to be even more enticing to make the journey up here, and this border crisis will never end. It's becoming the new normal until voters make their voices heard at the polls in 2022 and 2024. We're talking with uh, R.J. Haman. R.J. is the uh, uh, Government Relations Director for FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. what are, what, are, what are they using as justification, RJ? I, I've been looking and I listen and I try to understand, you know, for the sake of, of just knowing my enemy. You know, you've, you've got to know your enemy. And to me, the people who are doing this to our country are the enemies of the country. But, but I haven't figured it out. What is their defense for this, for this essential, like, as you call it, an inside abolition of the department, you know, of ICE and, uh, and these enticements? What, what is their justification for it? It's hard to wrap your head around it. Again, it's dripping with humanity and everything, too. But the most inhumane thing here 
is encouraging people to make the trip up here. It's not just what happened at the border, but what's so interesting about this new ICE guidance and everything is Mayorkas, in this memo, when he's getting his justification up front before he actually gets into the policy guidance, he almost sounds like me or fair. He says we can effectively protect the American labor market, the conditions of the work site, the dignity of our individual by focusing enforcement efforts on unscrupulous employers. Yes, that is all well and good. But you are an unscrupulous employer if you employ illegal aliens, not just pay them low wages and bad working conditions. We shouldn't allow any employer to employ people here illegally. Last time we did that amnesty deal, 1986, it's called IRCA. The one main trade-off, the one promise to the American people in exchange for amnesty was going after employers to hire and employ people here illegally. It has been ignored by every administration for the last couple of decades, and the Biden administration is just putting an extra dagger in it. But again, it makes no sense. They're dripping with well intentions. They're acting like they're adhering to the law. But the more the American people get educated and realize what they're doing, they're going to get some significant blowback again in November 2022 and the two years following. I can already hear one of the arguments on behalf of the Biden administration and leftists who support this kind of policy. And their argument is going to be, and I literally just saw this yesterday as well, CNBC reported that about 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August, accounting for about 3% mm-hmm. of the workforce. We now know there are around 9 to 10 million jobs available in the United States that are going unfilled. They're going to say if Americans don't want those jobs, and we do need our supply chain to be picked back up, we need people to work these warehouses, uh, we need people to, to ship, and so on and so forth. Uh, if Americans don't want those jobs, then why not bring in other people who do? That's what they're going to argue. How would FAIR respond to that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually ridiculous. I mean, a tight labor market is good for American workers. If you're an employer and you can't find somebody, raise wages. It'll be good for the American worker. And again, second, you have so many states, and at the federal level too, giving out these generous unemployment benefits that are actually encouraging people to sit on the sidelines. You've got to pivot away from that, and people will get back to normal. But encouraging people to come here illegally through our southern border that puts public safety at risk is not the way to do it. There are plenty of American workers out there who are ready. And in some industries, Bob, it's time to get into the 21st century, especially in ag as well. If you look how they do agriculture kind of in Europe, with more technology in the fields, and this is obviously just equipment. I mean, it's not just a huge process with kind of robots and everything. If the federal government was to actually fund more smart investments in technology, we wouldn't be reliant on 18th century cheap foreign labor. R.J. Hahn is my guest from the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. So what is FAIR doing? I read the press release. It's blistering. I read Dan Stein's comments, uh, and I'm listening to you. And I agree with every word, and I promise you 99.9% of my listeners agree with you as well. But we're, we're going to say, what do we do? What's FAIR doing to try to stop this? What kind of impact can you or can we have in this? Yeah, you know, well, it's interesting, though, too, when, 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 a, when DHS or ICE issues memorandums like this, it becomes a regulation. It's a policy. So FAIR is very engaged, issuing detailed public comments in opposition. We have a legal arm, too, that will sue um, when things like this aren't in line um, with federal law. But right now, again, I encourage everybody to monitor FAIRUS.org. With this big amnesty fight that's still kind of brewing on Capitol Hill, we're keeping our powder dry, both with our activist members and educating the general public. There's no big amnesty in there yet, but it could be put into this Build Back Better package. And I'll tell you what, the moment it does, 
Fair will be blasting the phone lines and making an easy effort for your listeners and everybody around the country to get involved and tell uh, Democrats and Republicans, tell everybody on Capitol Hill, that now is not the time for the biggest amnesty in American history. And if Congress does go down that path, again, they'll pay in November 2022. Last thing for you, RJ. I want to talk about, I think the number was up to 80,000 uh, um, potential migrants into this country gathering. I think they're in Panama right now. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them, they say, are still Haitians, like the last batch that was allowed just to waltz on through. I don't care that they're Haitian. I don't care if they're Panamanian. I don't care who they are or what they are. And I don't care, as I've said before, the racial component to this that the left likes to play into this. I don't care if they're Swedish. I don't care what color they are. They can't do this, but they're doing this. So yesterday I saw in the news that they're literally increasing by a 1,000 a day that are showing up in Panama at this camp where they are right now, getting ready to board their buses and start moving their way northward through Mexico to come. So we're talking literally the single largest caravan in, in what we've seen in the last you know couple of years uh, of caravans coming northward to come into the United States, what can be done from perhaps a state level? Um, you know, if, if the feds and if Joe Biden aren't going to do anything, what can a Greg Abbott, what can a Doug Ducey, what can they do in terms of national guards for their states or or some sort of order obstructions to stop these people once they get to the border? Yeah, you know, with everything that a lot of these Republican governors have done, notably Ducey and obviously Greg Abbott as well, were very effective. I think, you know, when the uh, Texas DPS and their National Guard almost formed a line down, down in Del Rio, along the Rio Grande, it discouraged people, made them turn around and everything. But again, if you really want to stop a caravan and make sure people aren't illegally crossing our borders, it's the federal government that needs to act. They have all the authority here. Just like what happened in Del Rio, there were some leaks that recently came out. The Biden administration knew that these people were coming. The writing was on the wall. Now the same thing's happening here. It's that on steroids. Tens of thousands are coming. And now we know because Del Rio was successfully adapted to, and again, Greg Abbott assisted a great bit, they're now pivoting and more now going to the Yuma sector in Arizona. So Doug Ducey will need to step up as well. But again, this is in the hands of the Biden administration. If they truly want to stop this, there are plenty of tools at their disposal. And a lot of them have a keyword attached to it. I think that's only why they oppose it. If Donald Trump issued it and it was effective, his name being simply attached to it means they can't touch it. The biggest thing there, too, is migrant protection protocols remain in Mexico. The court is requiring them to to re-implement that, but they're slow walking it. There is a lot of things they can do. It's simple. And they got to recognize these people aren't true asylum seekers. We get there's a bad condition in Haiti. But if you've been working outside of Haiti, I saw an interview with a gentleman. He's been in Chile or some other country in Central America for 12 years or something. You're not fleeing Haiti. You just want to go and work somewhere for better wages and better working conditions, something that we just uh, increased the pull of that magnet with this ICE memo. It's just a mess all around. The Biden administration knows what they're doing. They're increasing illegal immigration for political purposes down the line. Well, the part the, the part that I, I will never be able to understand is if they are claiming asylum and that they're fleeing political persecution. Mm-hmm. By the way, just seeking a better economic outcome is not a, a, a justification for for granting asylum. Um, you have not to be fleeing persecution. Nope. Right, you you have to be fleeing persecution. But let's suppose for a second that that thousands and thousands of Haitians are fleeing persecution. If they found their way to some South American country like Chile or anywhere else, they have found their their refuge. You don't get to country <laughs> shop and say this one isn't good enough i want to get up to that one the one by the way that is supposed to be so oppressive for brown and black people like me that's the one i want to go to yeah and it's the same thing that's going on in the middle east as well as everything the moment we get it 
you know, somebody coming from Afghanistan out. We just want to resettle them in the region closest to their country so they could potentially return if conditions change. Country shopping is the most ridiculous thing. Trump tried to address this with a safe third country policy. But again, the Biden administration doesn't care. And, and I almost wish there were people on the left and within the Democratic Party that would point out the obvious here. We have a humanitarian immigration system grounded in the rule of law. Congress passed it every day. When you have all these people who are gaming the system, all these frivolous asylum seekers who are economic migrants, country shopping, they're actually preventing people who need humanitarian protection from being able to come here. They're creating a backlog. They're crowding them out. It isn't right. No, it is not right, R.J. Hammond. Last question for you, sir. I saw drone footage yesterday of just miles and miles and miles. I think they said $120 million worth of wall panels, wall segments that are just laying there going to waste. And meanwhile, we're spending roughly $5 million a day paying the contracts that were that were uh, granted and signed under President Trump uh, for these contractors to use those panels and finish building our wall. The contract stays in force even though we are not building the wall. So that means we're spending $5 million a day to, to not build the wall and meanwhile, all of these panels are laying there going to waste. Uh, once again, there's an, there's an element to this that I just don't understand. How can this administration allow that uh, at a time when they're talking about adding to our $28 trillion national debt with this massive spending bill of theirs? You, you, know, you know, Bob, it's hard for me to even rationalize it. I got the image of it steered in my head for all your listeners out there. You can see it, acres, acres of the wall rusted to the core. The material isn't even good anymore. But again, this is goes back to what I just said. It's about anything with Trump's name attached to it on any issue, not just immigration, has to be avoided by them, even if it would be an effective policy or an actual deterrent on the illegal immigration front. Remember, you know, walls weren't originated by President Trump. Joe Biden voted for the Secure Fact Defense Act in 2006. So did Hillary. It used to be a common deterrent. Everybody knows that walls work. You have to go around them and you can channel your resources at that spot. Again, it's just the Biden administration, anything with the T word attached to it, they oppose. And again, this is terrible optics. I can already see the rusty wall stuff and, and saying how taxpayer dollars are had funded it and you refused to build it. It's going to be in political ads in November 22. And again, it's going to be something that Democrat candidates are going to pay for, for what Secretary Mayorkas and the Biden administration did down at the southern border. R.J. Hallman and the team at uh, FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform, are working very, very hard to stop this insanity. Um, support them if you can at FAIRUS.org. That's FAIRUS.org. R.J., thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Bob. 9.52. We'll take a time out. Come right back. AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a couple of phone calls in here. Let's go down to Akron and talk to Tanya on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Tanya. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. I'm glad that you talked about that uh, article that the Blaze did, that uh, Daily Wire. On on Loudoun County, yeah. The the, the gentleman whose daughter was assaulted, they covered it up, lied about it in order to keep their trans agenda going. It's crazy. You missed one part that I don't think I didn't hear you say. That he did it twice. 
Yes, yes, he did it to another he girl. Transferring, he was yeah, and a, right. they transferred him to another school, and he did it again. Exactly correct. Okay, and we need to call our school boards, go to school board meetings, and ask our school board that they sign off on that letter and get it on tape so we know where our school board stands. Ask your superintendent, because they also sent the letter and asked them, do you agree with this? And if they say they agree with it or they don't know anything about it, they're lying, and you need to vote them out, vote on November the 2nd, Get rid of these people that are not taking. I don't have any kids in the school, but I will be there asking these questions. And the thing is coming up, and I've said it years ago, they're coming after you. You don't, you, they've already come after, you know, who is going to be there to speak if we don't speak now? We're losing our country. And we're going to lose you're, you're exactly right. And here's the thing. You know, the, 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 the only thing that's going to get these people voted out are, are loud, uh, passionate parents exposing what's going on in the schools. And now Merrick Garland and the uh, FBI are going to try to stop those parents from being loud and being passionate in order to, you know, to advance that cause. So the school board has cover here. The school boards have cover here from the federal government, which is insane. Until we vote them out. Until and we vote them out. Yeah, but like in. I said, it's a vicious circle, though. It's a vicious circle because you can't vote them out unless people know what they're doing and the, the government is stopping us from letting people know what they're doing. That's that's the vicious circle. That's All why right? you go to school board meetings. That's right. You do. You've got to go there and you've got to see what's going on. And most importantly, like I've said a million times, not that I'm unique in this regard, and thank you for the call, Tanya, you've got to go to the schools on a regular basis. You go to the schools and you talk to the teachers and you talk to the principals and you talk to the assistant principals on a regular basis. What's my kid studying in history today? What's my kid's school uh, lesson plans or the teachers for my kids? What are their lessons plan, lesson plans for their English class this month? Find out what they're being taught. Are there any special, um, lectures or assemblies involving you know, any of these woke issues going on that my, my kid is being a part of, forced to be a part of. You have to find out. You have to be a thorn in the side. And guess what? You have a right to it. That part of it, not a lot of people understand. Not a lot of people realize. You have a right to know these things. There's a link on the um, protectohiochildren.net website. I was talking to Jonathan Broadbent a couple of weeks ago about this. There's a link that shows the text of the laws of the state of Ohio, the ORC, that's the Ohio Revised Code, section 3313.60, and it's the right of taxpayers in the state of Ohio to inspect curriculum. The ORC permits parents the right to examine and inspect all school material that is used in the instruction of their child. The specific language related to parental rights in 3313.60 say that upon the request of any parent or legal guardian of a student, the Board of Education of any school district shall permit the parent or guardian to promptly examine with respect to the parent's or guardian's own child any survey or questionnaire prior to its administration to that child, any textbook, workbook, software, video, or other instructional materials being used by the district in connection with the instruction of the child. 
along with any completed or graded tests taken, surveys, questionnaires filled out by the child, and on and on we go. So if you go to your school and you go to your school's board meeting or your, your principals or whomever and say, I demand to see what my kid is seeing. I want to know what the textbook you're using. I want to know what the lesson plan is. And they say, you don't have a right to that. You show them ORC 3313.60 and tell them they show you that stuff promptly, immediately, or you will have their jobs because they're violating the law. News time now. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.